Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, the investor role in fashion's transformation. We are revisiting a talk from Transformation Conference in Stockholm with Erik Karlsson, head of H&M Ventures, and Jessica Rameau, partner at Well Street Ventures. In order to implement new technologies and practices in the fashion ecosystem, capital is needed. In this talk, we hear from these leading investors about what they are looking for when investing in the fashion and lifestyle space. Eric and Jessica talk about the importance of capital to enable new technologies, how they support their portfolio companies once they have invested, and which new technologies they are looking for today. My name is Konrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind. And before we go on, I just want to mention that we have a couple of events coming up later this fall in the Scandinavian Mind world. First, we have Beauty Innovation, our insights newsletter in, on the beauty industry, which we are hosting an event for our Beauty Innovation subscribers on October 25, talking about beauty tech. So subscribers to our Beauty Innovation newsletter will get invites to this event. You can sign up at scandinavianmind.com slash beautyinnovation. There's both a free and a paid option. Uh, both options will get the invite to the event, uh, but obviously the paid uh, subscribers get more perks and content while subscribing. Also, a note to say that my weekly editor's letter, Observations, goes out every Tuesday. You can sign up by clicking on my somewhere on my face uh, when you go to scanlimitmind.com. That's Observations. My weekly newsletter goes out every Tuesday. All right, here now, my conversation with Eric Carlson and Jessica Rameau, recorded live at Transformation Conference at Stockholm Fashion District earlier this fall. Enjoy. Eric, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to congratulate you. You have a new role uh, since the last time you were here last year yeah. at the conference. Thank you. Um, can you just uh, kind of describe the role of, of H&M Ventures in the sort of greater H&M universe? Uh, what, do you, what do you guys do? Uh, sure. I mean, we're, we're uh, essentially a strategic investor in the fashion industry. So uh, we're looking for, uh, for innovations uh, in the fashion industry that can help the H&M group, but also help the, the, the whole industry. And really, you know, help us be more uh, relevant for our customers, help us be more efficient, use better materials, uh, uh, explore new business models, that kind of stuff. Right. And you, despite your new role, you've been doing this for a few years. Can you talk about some of the uh, cases that you have invested in, some of the companies? Uh, well, yeah. So, so last year, uh, I know I spoke a lot about uh, Infinite Fiber Company, uh, our Finnish uh, portfolio company. We've also invested in RenewCell. Both of them recycle uh, textiles, uh, chemical recycling of um, cellulosic textiles. Mm. Uh, since last year, we have um, a couple of new investments. We invested in uh, Ruby. Uh, they take CO2 uh, and, and, and make um, a yarn from that. Um, so really cool company, although quite early stage. Uh, we also invested in uh, a company called Kintra Fiber, uh, based in New York. They, uh, it's it's uh, bio-based polyester. Um, and uh, on, on the business model side, we've invested in a Swedish company called a Retro Tail, uh, which is you know, vintage luxury uh, products. So pretty broad spectrum. Yeah. Um, during this morning, we've talked a lot about, of course, the, the, what's happening in the EU. Um, 
H&M is often mentioned in this in this context of, of a company that needs to transform, and I, I think you have defined it yourself as well. Does the new regulations at the EU level change how you view new companies or change how you search for new companies? Um, I think it has strengthened our um, uh, investment uh, thesis, actually. Uh, we, we have been invested in what we call uh, sustainable fashion for, uh, well, almost 10 years now. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, what we heard from, from Mauro in the morning um, will, will strengthen that case. Uh, what we haven't discussed so much today is uh, that there will be requirements on how much recycled content and mm -hmm. how much you know, sustainable materials you use or you put in your products. Um, and we have a lot of companies focusing on just that. So, so, I mean, for me, I think it's, or for my, the companies in our portfolio, it's positive, I would say. Right, kind of a proof of concept, you know. Yeah, and it will also um, unlock uh, capital from, from other types of investors mm. uh, in a faster pace. They're, you know, they're already there, but I think more and more will, will um, uh, sort of focus on this area. Right. Jessica, uh, uh, talk about Wall Street and, and your experience with working with, with fashion brands. Maybe describe the, the company a little bit. For, for people who weren't in Helsinki and who watched your keynote there, uh, just give, a, give, the, give the cliff notes. Sure. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, so my name is Jess. Um, I'm a partner at Wall Street. We are a very early stage investor, mainly investing in Sweden and the Nordics. Uh, we're pretty broad, so we don't invest just in fashion. Uh, but when it comes to sort of our, our portfolio in this space is divided between direct-to-consumer brands, essentially powered by technology and e-commerce, um, B2B sort of e-commerce stack, um, and then a couple of sort of new business models or areas to sort of facilitate um, business models in in fashion. So, yeah, investing sort of really early stage, pre-seed, and, and uh, we then support the companies essentially to, to sort of scale further. I mean, some investments that... Um, that you guys might have heard of. So in the in the brand space, we're a big investor in I Can I Will. Um, we in the tech side, Bamboozer was one of our investments. Um, and then um, on the on the business model side, uh, we're invested in Huber, which is a, a rental company for for children's clothes. So sort of as a representation of, of mm. the portfolio. What I love about you guys is the part you just mentioned supporting brands. And you also have an extensive program for helping startups with their ESG work. Um, for anyone who missed, I mean, a lot of people, some have some people here who, who, who uh, participated in the Helsinki conference. Yes, it had a great uh, keynote there. It can be viewed online if you want to see the whole thing. But, but give us a, a, um, an introduction to, to this, the work that you do with, with the companies. Sure. So, um, so just to clarify then, we're, we're not an impact investor. We're a commercial investor, but we believe that sort of impact from an ESG perspective, i.e. every company sort of being sustainable or aiming sustainable is um, is a is a choice that companies can make very early. And for us, it's a matter of survival when it comes to building the companies of the future. So I think in, in general, more broadly, we're, we're very hands-on when we build companies. Um, we, we get very involved in the businesses, at least for the first two years of our holding period. And then that includes ESG, which we, which we pursue. Um, so across all of the lines of the business. So whether we're talking about the product development itself or even the marketing and sales, the hiring the team, the culture within the company, um, it's sort of um, across the board essentially on all of that from, from a framework perspective. So it, it sort of comes into, into three parts. One thing is first identifying entrepreneurs and founders that understand this and so want to do this. Uh, you, can, you can always sort of make an investment and then hope that that's sort of the, 
the ESG or sustainability aspects come, but but that's very unlikely unless the, the sort of founders in the companies already have this, I think, I think in mind. Um, so that's one part. Um, then the second part, of course, is, is the framework. And for us, so we've essentially built pretty much a stepped approach um, for our companies to, to meet to meet an expected standard. It's paired on a regulation called the SFDR, which is a, a financial regulation which sort of is, has been um, released by the EU to redirect capital flows towards more impactful investments. Um, I'm not going to bore you with this now. You can watch the talk where I introduce it more broadly if, if, if it's of interest. Uh, but essentially, it's looking to, to really achieve uh, certain aspects of environmental, social, and governance. Um, I would say sort of minimum bars of where companies really should be at. Um, and so we've sort of essentially have a stepped approach depending on the stage of the company based on the SFDR with some sort of extra layers depending on the industries we're invested in and also the standards within those industries. And then the hard part, because of course you can always have frameworks and plans, the, the hard part is the implementation part. So then we sort of work with every company very closely to make sure that um, that ESG sort of comes into every aspect of their company. So instead of sort of having it run separately by a sustainability person, which they get a call mm. from once in a while, we focus on having it in, in all of the support that we do. So a good example is um, we help our companies with employment contracts when they do their first hires. We make sure that all of the aspects of diversity and inclusion um, um, and also sort of, you know, managing employees are all in that contract. We help them with initial partnerships, suppliers. So all of the code of conducts are sort of done at that point in time, really sort of exception, inception. Um, now we're having one of our sort of launchpads events, which is our training events for, for companies, which, which Conrad knows. Um, and as part of that, so, so the theme is commercialization sales. It's about helping our companies grow and scale. But within that, we have a session on, okay, good governance when scaling. So what are the things to look out for when you sign those partnerships and, and all of that? So it's sort of part of everything else as opposed to its separate pillar, which we believe is how companies in general um, should, should be operating in the future. Well, I find this interesting too. It connects really to what we're talking about here today because you have this kind of onslaught of demands from the EU and from the industry as a whole and there are going to be new sort of standards and, and technologies that brands, fashion brands, has to adhere to and implement and so forth. And you, as an investor, is then an example of how you can come from kind of from the outside and support them. How do, um, what's the kind of temperature of the founders and the brands? Are they very receptive to this? Are they, are they overwhelmed by it? So, because you, you come in very early, and I'm sure if you're a founder in your early stage, you're thinking about your your solution or, or maybe there's something. And that's true. I think, I think when, you, when you look at the fashion space specifically, I don't think there is really, I haven't met an early stage founder that, that doesn't have sort of a sustainability aspects at their core and almost as a as a given. Um, I think what, what we have found is that a lot of people have sort of come to us with sustainability as their core value proposition, which from my perspective is sort of completely out of date within five years time because that should be something that, that everybody has. So, so I think that that's more the part that we're looking out for. It's everywhere. I think most of the founders um, have it. Then of course you can identify whether it's dress up or whether it's really sort of fundamental in the DNA of the company. Um, but I think the fundamental part for us is, okay, what else does this have if sustainability becomes, as we all hope it will be, um, sort of a hygiene factor essentially mm. and, and, okay, a company that exists has these things in place the same way they have accounts and all of the other things they, they should have. So it's more about, okay, what else is going to make them competitive because um, sustainability alone doesn't hold. If you're building a brand today, it's, it's a given. 
Right. I think you guys kind of complement each other here. You have kind of different scale to, to your investments. Uh, Eric, and of course, you don't really invest in fashion companies. You invest in kind of the tools and technologies that will support the, the industry. But can you talk at all about how you or maybe uh, knowledge and, 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 and competences from H&M support the investment that you do? How, do you work closely with your investments that way? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the way you work is, sounds very impressive. And uh, I guess our support is more on an ad hoc basis, but we try to support uh, with any, you know, help that we can give our portfolio companies. Um, so that can look in different ways. But uh, and sometimes it's just about finding the right person within the H&M group to, to talk to and, and give their, uh, their knowledge and expertise. Um, and, and sometimes it can be that um, someone from the H&M &M group actually sits on the board of the companies and, and helps them. And yeah, we, we also try to help with, uh, with contracts, with you know, logistics providers and that kind of stuff yeah. that, that we're using um, to give them the same kind of terms that the H&M group has. And what can you reveal about the the um, the, tie, or the the process for choosing a company? Uh, what what, is, what does that look like? Um, yeah, it's not a set criteria, and, and the process looks different um, every time. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, what we're looking for, we're looking for great ideas that can really move the needle for our whole industry uh, and for the H and M group. Uh, we're looking for great founders and great teams. I guess you know that's with any uh, investor. Um, and, um, and, and of course, you know, the, the business case uh, is important. So we try to analyze that as well. Right. And you mentioned companies both here in Sweden, RenewCell, in Finland, Infinited Fiber, both of which were, have been at this conference before, uh, but you also work internationally. Uh, what can you say about uh, how, how are we faring in, in the Nordics compared to, to, to internationally? Are there specific things happening here that's not happening globally or, or vice versa? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one thing that is specific to the Nordics and maybe especially Finland and Sweden is, you know, our legacy industries. Um, you know, uh, and for, for example, uh, the cellulosic industry that we, we share between uh, Finland and Sweden. Uh, we have a strong legacy uh, in that. Uh, seeing a lot of innovations come out of that uh, industry or within that area, uh, especially in materials. So I think, you know, we're, you know, really the leaders uh, in that area, I think. I'd have to ask, I don't know if you can answer, but there was news the other week about you actually go, going to a collaboration with Harold Mix, a famous investor. He's been investing in, uh, in North Vault and, and uh, you know, some of these big industrial investments. I know you have a part of it. Can you say anything about what that, what yeah. that is? Uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, what I can say is that, um, you know, in any project, in, in any company that we invest in, you know, we want to find the right types of partnerships. Um, and we have that in RenewCell with, you know, Gerindos is coming out from the, the cellulosic industry in, in uh, Treat the Textile. We have a partnership with uh, Stora Enso and Ikea. Um, and we're really trying to identify, you know, what partners can give us the best leverage in, in our investments. So I think uh, with Vargas, we've found a really good partner who, uh, who complements us. Okay. There's some level of collaboration there, at least, that yeah, ties into what we're yeah, talking about watch here. Watch this space. All right, watch this space. Uh, Jessica, I mean, you, you just mentioned you don't only invest in, in fashion companies, you invest in other types of, of tech companies. Um, what role do you see for, for technology in, in, in fashion going forward? 
are you looking for specific technologies or, or is there a connection there? Um, specific technologies, no. I mean, we, we are very interested in the online space. Right. Um, so we've invested in a lot of technologies when it comes to actually sort of e-commerce platforms and the whole headless composable space, mm. which is a sort of an area with it on, on the tech side. Um, I think from an investment perspective, um, you sort of had a whole wave of customer acquisition technologies, marketing technologies. Now we're looking at the actual sort of sites and the omni-channel. And, and I think now what's really interesting is the stuff coming out on more customer retention, customer engagement communities. Um, so there's a whole new wave of companies in that area, which is really interesting. Um, then I think the whole other side of it is the technology on the supply chain side and this whole passporting. Um, and I heard in your last conference that actually the EU was developing its own software to, yeah. which terrifies me, okay. me a little bit, but um, so I'm thinking, okay, there must be some opportunity there for, for somebody to actually decide to take on this problem and, and potentially some, some interesting technology. So if you see anything in that area, I'm very interested. Yes. Uh -huh, very good. Uh, so I haven't come across one yet, but but surely there's a, there's some fantastic entrepreneurs working on on solving that problem at scale, hopefully, which is uh, which is what we need from the sort of interoperability right. question that, that you brought up earlier. One thing you talk about, Jessica, as an as a venture company, which is kind of rare, weirdly enough, is that you talk about you want to fund companies that are healthy and. Uh, kind of profitable and there are real businesses and sometimes VC companies are all about the you know the moonshots and the the, the 10x or 100x uh, why is that important for you guys um, I think so I think it, it just depends on 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 what your model is um, so we invest really early stage so it can be pre-launch and pre-revenue but we're, we're looking for that um, with sort of very much revenue first um, perspective where we see ourselves as the first investor coming in and de-risking the company so making mm -hmm. sure the company has product market fit has its first customers could be broke even if it needs to be which has proven very important with first COVID and then and then this last year and then sort of raising for growth once all of those sort of healthy healthy basics are in place um, it's important to us because from our investment strategy perspective we're not looking for one in ten of our investments being successful we're looking for nine in ten of our investments to be successful success can look different in different ways we're not expecting every investment we make to make a ten time return some of them will be two times returns five times returns um, so it'll be different but across the board we want to see basically a what we call a hundred percent success rate and that each company should 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 um, succeed in some way um, so so then it, it's a little bit of a different approach we don't have this sort of spray and pray approach for the moonshot because I think they are incredibly rare and I think you need to have the long-term vision and the capital to support them. Uh, we're going very early. We're a short-term investor, and we like to keep our funds small, which means we can't fund them forever to take over the world. Uh, it's not. It's not um, just our in our model. So, so, so we're looking to do something a little bit different. Having said that, you know, a lot of our companies go on and, and raise growth capital and have a very successful typical VC journey. We're sort of out at that point uh, we've we, we've sort of done our done our part um, right. uh, but we think you know in People used to think we were mad. I used to sit in meetings and ask, so, so when do you break even? And founders used to look at me like, what do you mean? Which was really odd to me. But, but now, if you look at the pitch decks now and how the, how sort of the, the atmosphere and investment has changed, actually, investors are now looking for that point. They're looking for efficient use of capital hmm. and sort of pr proving things a little bit earlier than perhaps they had the patience for before because, okay, this industry has been going on for a while and actually the amount of companies that are successful is too low. And so the amount of venture capital firms that are successful is actually very low. Right.
Eric, talk about your horizon when, when you go into companies. You mentioned you want companies that can help uh, help H&M in their transformation and, and also the greater kind of fashion industry. Uh, what's your horizon in terms of, are you looking for companies that are profitable uh, directly or is it more like in 10 years this is going to be a great thing for the industry? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely not profitable. <laughs> we're very different. No, no. Um, I mean, um, we're more, I guess, a, a traditional VC in, in that sense. So, uh, usually, I mean, we go in pre-revenue, we go in pre-profitability, uh, uh, certainly. Um, it's not that we don't like companies that are uh, profitable, um, but they're rare to find in sort of um, in the areas that we're looking for. Uh, well, if they are profitable, then maybe they don't need VCs. No, exactly. Yeah, they, then. But I think it's also it's a, it's a it's a strategic thing, right? I mean, the fact that you would come on board would actually kind of completely change the game for them. Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter. You either become their customer, or you would be looking to even potentially buying them at some point, or or, or do you see them so that so they're building then for a different type of exit than perhaps some of the companies that I look at, and mm -hmm. so it makes complete sense. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, so you know, we're trying to add value, and we're sort of cheating by using our name. Um, um, uh, so yeah. Um, finally, there are companies here in the audience, tech companies, perhaps looking for investment, fashion companies. How do they go about doing this? How do they get in touch? What's what's the connective uh, tissue here? No, but seriously, uh, if you have a if you have a good idea, then just reach out. Uh, we uh, we try to take every first meeting uh, because you know the the worst thing that can happen is that we learn something. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're trying to be very uh, approachable. Yes. Yeah, I mean, same here. You can apply on our website or, or email me. It's yeah, my name with a dot in the middle at wellstreet.vc. Um, we uh, we try to meet a lot of early stage companies as much as possible, as long as they sort of broadly broadly fit our criteria as well, um, and then we go from there. Or just grab these guys over lunch. Uh, Jessica and Eric, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Scandinavian Mind Podcast with me, Conrad Olson, edited by Eric Sedin. Don't forget to sign up to our weekly newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter not to miss out on any upcoming content and events. Till next week, goodbye. <laughs>